0: There's one verse of scripture here that we want to read. John chapter 20 and verse number 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so. Send I you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. I want to preach to you about the hope of the world. I don't intend to preach a whole long time, but if we grasp what God's Word is saying here today, it'll be worth our time a hundredfold over to have been in God's house today somebody says well how does how does the church accomplish uh, helping people well the way it accomplishes helping people is by the preached word of God now the preached word of God the the word of God is, is a powerful and living thing and people don't realize it they just think it's another lecture but it's powerful and it does a work in the lives of people that hear it and of course when you expand the meaning of the word of God being preached it's preached by our lives, it's preached by our actions it's preached by our attitudes it's preached by the witness of our mouth to others and it's preached by preaching in church so the word of God is invisible but it's the most powerful thing in the world. And it becomes incarnated in you and I. Incarnated mean fleshed in you and I. I want to preach to you for a while about the hope of the world. I believe God's going to help us today. Amen. I believe God wants to help us today. Amen. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. The verse that I read to you, found in John chapter 20 and verse 21, is very much attached to a chapter three chapters before, which we will reference some today, in John chapter 17. And here... The Lord says, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And so when Jesus says, my Father has sent me, we have to go back in Scripture. You can't just read that and think that there's a daddy and a child. And in the whole thought process there... Unless you go into the Bible and get a better understanding of what is meant by Father and Son and Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says that no scripture is of of any private interpretation. And so you have to compare scripture with scripture until you get the full sense of what scripture is saying about a particular subject. In this case, about the Father sending the Son to be the Savior of the world. This is why, this is a good thing to remember, when you are reading any writing about theological subjects, you want to read it all. Because people are notorious for finding a little section and quoting that little section without it being... Quoted in the context of the full body of literature that that person has written. You can take a scripture in the Bible and do the same thing. You can quote a little piece of that scripture and put a few pieces together and get any doctrine you want. So, you know, the old example is is that uh, Judas hanged himself, the Bible says. In another place, Jesus said, Go and do thou likewise. And then if you go to another scripture, you can find a scripture that says, What thou doest, doest quickly. So go hang yourself and do it now and do it in a hurry. But obviously, the Bible is not teaching us to hang ourselves. (laughs) But all of those scriptures have to be taken within the context in which they are written. And so... This scripture gives us a picture of Jesus being the medium by which the invisible God expresses himself to the world. How do I know that? I know that from other scriptures. Scriptures which you are, most of you, not all of you, but most of you are familiar with. Like John 1.1, 1, 1, that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14, which says, And the Word became flesh, or was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we know that that is Jesus. Paul told Timothy in 3.16 that God was manifested in the flesh. And we know that when the Bible says in the beginning was the word, we already know that the word logos, which is the Greek word for word that was used in John 1 and 1, we already know that it means essentially thought, expression, or concept. And so in the beginning was the thought, the expression, the concept of God. And the thought, expression, or concept of God was with God. God who is invisible. Who is infinite. Who cannot be seen. Who is absolute. Meaning that there is no way to contact him by finite beings. That God who is invisible. un knowable, unapproachable, the Bible says. Uh, That God uh, had a thought or concept or expression of himself. And the thought or concept of expression of himself was himself. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. How many of you are following me this morning? All right. And then the thought, expression, or concept of God was made flesh. So, Jesus was not just a man. He was a man. He was fully man and fully God. He wasn't uh, um, a freak. He was not half God and half man, but he was fully man and fully God. He, when you get to heaven, if you get there, it will be he will be the only God you will ever see. God in his invisible essential nature is not matter. He does matter. He, he, he does not have, uh, he is not made of matter. Matter is a finite thing. He is everywhere at once. His essence is completely spirit. John 4, 24, God is a spirit. And so to know God, you have to know God. You have to find the location in the universe and in history in which God has revealed himself. To find the place God has revealed himself is to find Jesus Christ. And this is why when Jesus kept talking about the Father, and Philip said, "Uh, uh, Jesus, you keep talking about the Father, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you and you have not known me? Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Because that's the only way you could see the Father. This doesn't mean that in the universe that... That when Jesus was on earth, there was no God running the whole universe. Because God cannot be spatially encapsulated in one place. We're kind of diving off here pretty deep, aren't we? God cannot be encapsulated in one place. God is everywhere at once. But God has chosen to reveal himself. A place where God can be seen is in Jesus Christ. And so in that sense, the man, Christ Jesus, is the expression of God. And when you talk a father, you're talking God invisible. And when you talk son, you're talking God in flesh. And God incarnate. And God made visible. And so in the person of Jesus Christ, we find that God is made visible. It is the invisible God. Hebrews 1 says that he is the exact expression of ...of the invisible substance of God. Amen. And so, God in his invisible nature has mediated himself. Has, has is The medium by which God has expressed himself is the man Christ Jesus. And this is the context within uh, which our text is given this morning... That the Father has sent me. Uh, He is the medium by which the invisible God has expressed himself. The second part of that verse is where uh, we find a remarkable discovery this morning is that as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And so God's people, the church now, finds themselves in a heightened and elevated position that no other People group, no other uh, uh, club or or uh, um, any kind of human association or society or culture can lay claim to. It. That is that God's people are sent as a visible representative in this day of Christ, who is here by His Spirit. In the same sense that Christ is the invisible God sent to the world who is invisible in spirit but makes himself known in Christ. Now Christ is in heaven. But now he sent his spirit, the Holy Ghost, back. And we have it in our hearts. And so the flesh is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The church is the flesh of Jesus Christ. One place it says you're bread. We We are the expression of Jesus Christ. We are his body, 1 Corinthians 12. Thirteen says and members in particular no other group has that the church is a distinct thing this is why the church is more important than anything else we could come to because the church is sent into the world it is sent out into the world and it is sent with a message of hope and a proclamation uh, uh, of salvation can you say amen are you glad you're in the church today are you glad you're saved today are you glad you know who Jesus is today Oh, my Lord, there's nothing like knowing who Jesus is. Now, the church is sent out into the world, but I want to point this out to you because we're in a a, a tumultuous time. The church is sent out into the world, but when it is sent out into the world, it is sent out into the world with its invisible foundation. The church can never be detached from its invisible foundation and still be the church. The foundation... That makes the church, the church, is that Christ is in the center of our life. And so before the church is the church in action, the church is the church in obedience. And it has to maintain its identity and and its form as being the body of Christ. Otherwise, it just becomes another group of people. Only by Maintaining its identity as the visible expression of the body of Christ. Does it have any authority or does it have any power? It has no power as one people among others. The church isn't any different than any other if it is separated and taken away from that touch of God. And so the only way that the church can exist in this world as a body that people can come to is that it is not of this world it is all other people groups are of this world but the church is in this world but it's not of this world it comes it comes with with a heavenly imprimatur or print upon it. It comes as something. I'm preaching to you today that if you get in the church, you're getting in something that there's nothing else in the entire universe, the world, the universe. There's nothing in heaven, nothing in hell like the church because the church is the one place that the invisible heaven has come to earth and has a door that you can get into. Oh, let's praise him today for the revelation of the church. Amen. And so Jesus says, as I've been sent of the father, you, I'm so send I you. John 17, 18 says about the same thing in his prayer. He says, father, as you have sent me into the world, even so the same way I've sent them into the world. What does it mean to be sent? Well, if you read the context of it, to be sent means to be invested with a Greek word that in English we would pronounce doxa, D-O-X-A. It is to be sent. You say, what does it mean to be sent? To be sent means that in the scriptural definition, that when a group is sent, they are invested with doxa. And doxa is the Greek, um, the English transliteration for the Greek word, for glory. And in John 17, Jesus says as your glory that's what being sent means. It means you have the glory on you. Being sent doesn't mean saying, "Oh, I'm sent," but it means to participate in the dignity and the authority and the power of the sender, which in our case is the creator of the universe and it is to be sent to a third party which is the world and so the church here stands between two worlds it stands between a heavenly world of hope and it stands between an earthly world that needs hope and doesn't know how to get it and i might just say the sending of the church is not something that is just sent to a few people that may listen, but it's a bigger thing than that. The church is sent to the cosmos. That's the Greek word for world. It is sent. It has a universal message. What I and this church I'm preaching to you today. And when it comes to its consummation, there's fulfillments of it as each person gets saved. But when it comes to its consummation, the message I'm preaching to you today and the, and the 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 message, the person that's being born. Christ that's being born on the message I'm preaching to you today, I am telling you, will at some point, his kingdom will envelop not only individual lives uh, and not only the apostolic church, uh, but it will come like a flood over the entire world. Uh, It will develop the universe. It will banish all powers of evil. You are in something so much bigger than yourself. Uh, You are in something so profound and powerful and far reaching. Uh, Amen. And it is not just a little thing in a certain spectrum of time. But it is the message from the universe that the church is from even before the foundation of the world. And it exists into eternity forever in the future. I want to tell you, I don't intend to sell my inheritance in the church for anything this paltry, trivializing world could possibly give me. Because to be in the church is the highest Dignity possible to a human being. Let's clap our hands and praise our Lord and Savior. Come on, He's worthy. Let's praise Him. Amen. Amen. And so, but the church has to stay connected to what we would call its living root because if it leaves that it's just another society among men it is its connection to Christ and the spirit that ensures that the glory continues to come so I don't want to hurry here I want to make clear for everybody that's running rampant today saying we've got to get the job done I would say that before we have obedience to the commission, we have to have obedience to the Father. And if you try to shortcut that process, the church loses its definition as the glory bearer to the universe. And then it's no more than the Elks Club or no more than the Lions Club or no more than some other group that's picking up trash on the side of the highway as some menial way to try to help society. But for it to be the bearer of the glory is where it gets its identity to transform your life if you're a sinner here today and to deliver you if you're demon-bound today and to give you victory over every addiction today. We can only do that by the glory that comes to the church that transforms your life. So, in trying to find ways to say this, there is a quiet obedience of being before there is a noisy obedience of doing. And in that obedience of being is where the glory increases in magnitude in our lives and then our doing is not common human effort but rather divinity kissing humanity. And so when you look at the church did you know that there is nowhere in human history that identifies the meaning of human history There is nowhere in human history that identifies the meaning of human history. The church is the fellowship given to men that men may know the world as it is. Because outside of this, the world does not know itself because it has no frame of reference, no dictionary that defines itself the world outside of the fellowship of god's people who are the medium that manifests god's glory to the world outside of that the world does not know god the world does not know man the world does not know the covenant relationship between god and man that is available that the church is the bearer of, that nobody else is the bearer of that good news of what God is, how God is, what man is, how man is. And that covenant available to man to be an associated with that God in a salvific and eternally saving way. Are you glad you're in the church today? Outside of the church, man doesn't know God. Man doesn't know man. Man doesn't know purpose. Man doesn't know the covenant between God and man. Man doesn't know his origin. Man doesn't know his state. Man doesn't know his goal. Outside of God, man doesn't know of his own Life and future, or death and destruction. All of this comes out of the church because the world is blind to its own reality. I don't care how many colleges you go to. I'm not making fun. I teach in a college. All of that is true. But I want to tell you, there are people teaching colleges... That have some of the nuttiest ideas you could possibly imagine. Not because they're people that are trying to be mean or... Or anything. It's because they have no frame of reference. They are not a part of the church. They have no way to define. And they've got, oh, they've got animals above people. And they treat trees higher than they treat humans. uh, And all of the above, all of this comes out of the fact that they have no frame of reference that lets them know God and man and his origin and his state. They are blind. It is an existence of groping in the dark trying to find their way. and they cannot do so. And so the, tru- the 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 truth of the matter is is that the church which is the group of people sent into the world and in its knowledge of God and man and this covenant that's set up between them this is the only way to know the world as it is you're either is or you ain't you're either under that covenant or you're wandering Like a star that's lost its orbit, you're just shooting through the blackness of the universe until finally in some distant sphere of isolation you burn out. Because there's no orbit for you. Outside. Of God's revelation. And so the church is the place where the world's eyes are open to itself. This is why the church, in attempting to help people, can never go so far out that it loses its own understanding of itself and buys into the world's lack of understanding to try to make the world approve of them. The church has understanding. The world doesn't have understanding. And so it is absurd to leave knowledge, to go to ignorance. I'm glad I got the word of God this morning amen and so this is what's given to the church this is the good news you you hear let's be evangelistic do you know what the word evangelistic means evangel evangelistic it it means the bearer of the gospel of the good news the message of the church is good news The message of the church is revelation. People don't know how to weigh their achievements. For example, people in the world will make a God out of somebody that hits 600 home runs or 700 home runs or whatever it is. I have a shocking revelation for you today. In the bigger sphere of things, hitting 700 home runs. Means less than nothing. You can spend your whole Life, not only hitting home runs, doing a whole lot of other things, and spending your whole life and exhausting yourself for that which has holes in the bottom until it drains out and it is nothing. How do I know which is that and which is not that? Because the church is the place where you get revelation of what has worth and what doesn't have worth. And the preaching of the word of God is what leads us to know that from The Holy Word of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. And so, you can spend your life thinking I'll never die. But you will. The church has that understanding. We know men by the brevity of time that they're here. We know men. We know how men are affected because Revelation has the Bible has given us this. We know how people are and a man or woman can be born and just think everything's cool and not understand that there's all kinds of forces around them trying to destroy them because we understand the contingent power of your environment and how you being hooked to that environment Has a way of impacting you. Your environment being subject to the fall. Your environment being in a place where where forces that are hostile to your well-being. Are unleashed in the world. But you don't even understand any of that. Unless you go to church and get the revelation from the holy word of God. That you are fallen and you are under bondage. But you can be delivered. And you don't have to live your life that way. So... You say, well, that's not how Hollywood sees the world. Well, the world is seen any other way is not the world as it is. It's a picture of the world that somebody painted that they say, this is the world, but it's not the world. It's a stylized, idealized dream or fancy of the mind. The real world is there's one good news and it is potent and it has more glory than you can ever get out of a camera. It has glory and power that's authentic to transform your life and take you into something that is genuine and real. How many of you know what I'm talking about? My, my, my. So, to the extent that the church surrenders reality to the world's picture of itself rather than to the reality, to that extent... The church ranges itself with the world in its groping until you get out there and say, I wonder if this will work. I wonder if that will work. And you resort to all kinds of exploration because you've detached yourself to the world. And you go through a whole list of different pictures the world has of itself in trying to relate with that world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank you, three or four that got it. The rest of you. It's, it's fine. You know, you just preach and none of us get everything. So we do all we can. And so the church as bearers of truth is bringing, and I'm, I'm closing, is bringing God's gift to the earth. Bringing God's gift to the earth. What is God's gift? God's gift to the earth is the message that he will reign someday and there'll be no more evil to make you sick, to make you poor, to make you impoverished, to give you fits every day of your life, to make you go to hell, to make you be harassed by evil spirits, whether in people or out of people. The church is the bearer of that. The church is the children of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse three says of the church verse 3 says i will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee that's abraham's children that's the church galatians 3:7 3:14 3:29 i will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee abraham's children the bible tells us we are abraham's children and in thee shall all The nations of the earth be blessed. And so that's a weighty and exciting position to be in. That in the church, all of the nations of the earth, they won't be cursed if they hear the message. They will be blessed. Listen to me. Don't miss this. The church bears a message of blessing. It's not a message of cursing. It is a message of blessing. And when a person embraces it and grasps it, then they become part of the blessed. Psalm 67 and 1 says, well, I think it says, to the chief musician on Neganoth, don't ask me what Neganoth is. I'll have to go check. I don't know what it is right now. That thy way may be known upon earth. In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And then, are we at verse 2? Move back to verse 1. God be merciful unto us and bless us. That's talking about God's people. That goes along with Genesis 12 and 3. In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And Genesis 12 and 2 says, And I will bless you and bless him that bless you. Five or four or five times he says, I will bless you. Now here in Psalms, David says, the psalmist says, God be merciful unto us and bless us. And cause his face to shine upon us, which is a euphemism for God blessing us. The glory of God. Shining his face upon us. How many of you want the blessings of God? There's not much else that I can do for anybody unless I've got the blessings of God. If I have the blessings of God, I can help you today. I can bring you deliverance today. I can see you get victory today. I can see you come to a new life today. But all of it, we have to be blessed as a body to be able to do that. God. And so the writer put it back. The writer said, God, bless us, bless us, bless us. And cause your face to shine upon us. Now look at verse two. Verse two, that thy way, why is God gonna bless us that thy way may be known upon earth. This is why God blesses us. You got to get this a wise scribe brings out of his bag, things old and new. The reason we have to have God's blessing is that his way may be known upon the earth because we are the medium whereby the glory of God, the bearers of the glory of God that brings that to the earth that thy way may be known upon earth what is his way? thy saving health which is another saving health is another word for salvation thy saving health might be made known among all nations uh, we are the bearers of saving health if you're here today and you're ragged out and you're beat down and you feel there's no hope and you're at the end of the rope and you say i'm sick and tired of this you're in the right place because there is hope for you in the church because it's the bearers of the good news of the glory of God. Amen. And so to be the bearers, to be the bearers of hope, the bearers of good news. That's what we do. Look at 96 and 3, Psalm. Declare his glory. That's a mission statement. We don't declare sad news. We declare his glory. His glory on us. His glory when people look at your life. His glory when you come in this place. His glory in the... Declare his glory among the heathen His wonders among all people. Look at 96, 10, 11, and 12. Just look at these verses a minute. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. This is the good message that we preach. He shall judge the people righteously. Verse 11. Let the heavens... Rejoice and let the earth be glad. When the message of the church comes, it, it, is, a, it is a time when the earth is glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Verse 12, let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. 97 and 1. I could give you many Psalms this morning. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. The, the idea is, is where the Lord reigns, the earth rejoices where god 's glory is manifested, the earth rejoices, where there is no glory of God, the earth wanders on in darkness, and they are without guidance. But where the Lord reigneth, the earth rejoices. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. look at ninety eight and four make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth, make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Why? Because God is bringing his glory to the Lord. That's what the church represents. May the church stay true to that. May the church stay connected with obedience to the father. Amen. In a, in a being so it can be obedience to the ministry and the mission in a doing and that the glory will always come out of the church to the world. And if there is no glory, it's just another club but the glory of God is here because the Holy Ghost is here. (laughs) Praise God. And the word of God is here and revelation is here. And so there's a reason why we're blessed. And we're blessed that you that are here that need a blessing today can have that blessing. God wants you to know that blessing. Today, it's not just for you. Listen, all of you that are in the church, how many ways does God bless us? When we say, well, God's blessed me. How many ways does God bless us? Well, I'm in financial straits right now, but, 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 but before you go there, you know, it's like the Lord's prayer. It's all, you always got to start with our father, which art in heaven. Don't start with give us this day. Always start with our Father. Don't ever start with give us. Our Father which art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Before you start asking for something from a position of frustration, first expand your God. Magnify your God. Your great God. There's nothing beyond you, God. I magnify you, God. I know what your glory is, God. I know I got, I know I got issues right now, but God, they're not, they're not issues of a shortness on your part. I know that you're the God of glory. I don't care what you're in right now. What your, your answer is magnify God in the midst of your struggle instead of allowing yourself to be subject to your frustration. I know you're big enough, God. I know you're a wonderful God. And so you got this little problem. Well, do you still have help? Well, do you still have freedom in America? Well, do you still have a car? Well... Do you still have children in church? Well, do you have grandchildren? Well, do you, how far do I need to go? Do you live in the richest nation in the world? Have you enjoyed a good life? Are you ready? Do you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptizing? Are you ready to go to heaven? Do you have eternal life? I'm telling you, you're blessed. Don't let the devil drive you down because of one little problem until you forget how blessed you are and how much you've got. I'm telling you, we are a blessed people that are the bearers of God's glory. And we can't let one of frustration destroy us. Oh, come on. Clap your hands. Praise him. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. We all know Acts 2.38, but we forget Acts 2.39. Let's all stand. Acts 2.39 says, For the promises unto you and to your children... And so our kids got the Holy Ghost, and to all that are so our relatives, got, so our grandkids have got the Holy Ghost. So come on, come on. There's a whole lot of magnifying that ought to be going on before we ever get to. By the way, God, give me this. Look, don't miss this. All of this is tied together. Don't segment. Don't segment your life and segregate each little piece and think that they don't connect oftentimes brother Escudero was taking the offering this morning and he talked about giving but oftentimes we miss the whole point there show us Malachi 310 I want to show you something here when people are preaching on ties they use the scripture because the scripture is so prominent there but i want to go further than that bring ye all the ties into the storehouse now that's that's basic somebody says well jesus only mentioned one time in the new testament about that you ought to do that it was so basic that he thought nobody would be dumb enough to think it had to be reiterated 50 times It was so basic with all those people to understand that there was no need. He said, you know, you ought to have done that. But what about the rest of these things? So if you're not paying your tithes, just, just hang on here. Because this all connects with the glory and the blessing. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. What that means is so that the church can do the work that it's doing this morning. Listen, we talk about the good old days. I've preached in tents. I've preached in front yards. I've preached in barns. I've preached in outside. I've preached a lot of places. This is a blessing. This is a blessing. That there may be meat in mine house. I can tell you right now, I couldn't have preached like I'd preached this morning if I was working 14 hours a day on a secular job. Because first you got to figure out how to get into this, and then you got to get into it. Then you got to figure out how to get it out, and then you got to figure out to yourself, then you got to figure out how to get it out of yourself to the people. Enormous process, challenge. But you bring all the ties into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. That's the deal. He said, I want it to come to the priesthood. I don't want them to have an inheritance in the land. I don't want them working on a secular job. I want them to do this. When I first started preaching, they told us the first thing in that church that has to be done is a pastor be full-time before you buy a building, before you buy property. The key is not buildings and property. The key is understanding the place of the Word of God and the man of God. Bring ye all the ties in the store so that there may be meat in mine house. Now, now watch this, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of Hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, blessing. Genesis 2 I will bless you those that bless you I will bless those that curse you I will curse but I will bless you and in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed how can they be blessed if I'm not blessed I'm blessed with the glory of God the sending the anointing and you are too we're blessed with that God could do his work without us but we're honored to be participants the medium through which he's going what an honor what an honor Prove me now with if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Look at verse 11 here. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now, you and I don't even see the grasshoppers coming to invade our crop. They're 500 miles away in a swarm. But God sees them. So he looks down and he says... Has Wilson been faithful in seeing that there's meat in my house with giving his life, giving his tithe, giving his offering, giving his understanding, giving himself? Or has he spent his time building his own self-world? If he spent his time building his own self-world, then I'll let his own defenses protect him from this horde of Grasshoppers that's coming to his crop. But I don't have any fences high enough to protect him from those grasshoppers. But if I've been building his house, putting meat in his house, then 500 miles away he sees them coming and he sends a wind and blows them out to the desert where they die. I may have never even known the devourer was coming. Because he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. That right there is enough reason to pay my tithes. I said, that right there is enough reason for me to pay my tithes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Yes, I read the paper this morning. I don't care what the paper says. People in the world are writing stuff out of a position of no revelation they are blind leading the blind the new york times doesn't know as much as i know about god and man and the covenant between god and man i'm not bragging i'm telling you the truth because god's revelation tells us this I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground; neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. So he controls. He controls the weather. I can't tell what the weather is going to be, but God knows what the weather is this year, next year, the year beyond. He knows everything. But in our case, he says, "I'm going to make sure the weather doesn't destroy his crops." Well, if we planted the same thing as the guy next door, the weather's the same; they're going to die. Well, the way God may do it is He may inspire me to plant a different crop than that guy planted, and I don't even know why. But he, but but I planted that crop because He knew that it it would it would not be destroyed by the weather. God, this is all going on behind the scenes, part of the blessing, part of the blessing, and. Your vine shall not cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 12. Here it is. Here it is. You don't ever hear anybody hardly quote this when they're using these verses. Here it is. This is the key to that whole section. The reason God wants me to pay my tithes, and that's just the example used here, it's the whole deal of being the people who are the bearers of the glory. The reason. Is because when the world sees me blessed with these things, and all nations shall call you blessed. For ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. It becomes a witness. God wants to bless us as a witness that this is the glory that his people have. And that's why we do all these things in this case, including paying our tithes. Because it is his blessing that comes upon us. Nations see it. It's a different kind of economy. So well, I can't pay my tithes. Maybe you said this 15 years ago. I can't pay my tithes because I got to put my money in my 401k. Oh, where's your 401k today? And we all try to save some and be rational and reasonable. But it's like my friend who told me, he said, I I lost $85,000 in my mutual funds last year. And he looked at me waiting for a response. I said, I took all mine and put it in building the church. I didn't lose anything. i got to give him credit. He was honest. He said, rust doth corrupt. Thieves break through and steal. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's what I should have done. Well, I said, well, that's what you ought to do now. Give me another 85 and I'll save it for you by putting it in the Rock Church. But he didn't quite get it. But, you know, it's not over yet. This is God's way. You say, well, I don't know if I agree with God. Well, I'm glad you know so much. Where'd you get your knowledge? Well, I just think that way. Oh, you do, huh? Well, you must be pretty sharp to be thinking that way, and you're just another human being born under the same environmental contingencies as the rest of us. How arrogant can you get to think that you and I, with our extremely limited frame of reference, would know more than God. So if you're here today and you want to be blessed... And you want a life that has the glory and joy and strength and freedom and deliverance, you're in the right place. Listen, we're not guessing. This is not a Johnny come lately. I've had the Holy Ghost 50 years. It's better today than it was when I started. My God, there, there's more I understand about the glory of God today than 50 years ago. Anybody else in here had the Holy Ghost 50 years? 50 years. How long you had the Holy Ghost, Brother Sergeant? You had the Holy Ghost 49 years, just a young man. How long you had the Holy Ghost, Sister Wilson? 55 years, 55 years, 55 years. My God, to some of you, that's like we, like she and I helped Noah build that ark. But I won't tell you, it's better today than it was 50 years ago or 55 years ago or 49 years ago. It's not worth it. And if you are sick and tired of living in a world of defeat, then step out from that pew. Come on down to this aisle, this altar, and let God transform you your, to your life with the soul. power of the Holy Ghost. If you, you, you want blessing, if you want blessing, if you want blessing, come you on. You've got a chance. You've got a chance. Of you that don't know God. Some of you that don't know God. Don't leave right now. The Holy Ghost is here. God bless you, man. This is the best decision you ever made. Amen. We're so glad you're here. Amen. Whoever you are that's here this morning, you need to come. You need to let God transform your life. Come on right now. Step out wherever you are. God bless you. God, that's good. Come on. Other. Step out. I want to be blessed. I am sick and tired. I don't, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't want to live that way any longer. I want to go. Let's sing. Come on. While we're singing. Come on.